Hi, this is Candy Allison, and this is my horror podcast, The House That Screams. I am here tonight to talk about gore films. I have Sean Smith. Hello, ladies. <laughs> I have Rob Antiguera. How do you do? <laughs> I have Daniel Nightmare Nerd Brian. Greetings, horror fanatics. And I have Cameron Sully. Because, yeah, fuck your couch. <laughs> <laughs> And we're going to switch it up tonight. I'm not going to go first. Let's go with our quiet member, Sean. <laughs> Let's talk about gore. All right. Well, I have chosen one of my uh, all-time favorite Romero films. Uh, yes. And that's Day of the Dead. And yeah. not only is it my favorite Romero, but it's my favorite Tom Savini. Um, oh, the best. And I think this movie really showcases his talent as far as special effects. And not just his, but, uh, you know, a handful of other people, Greg Nicotero, Berger. And just the effects in this movie did it for me. They were realistic. The way that he set some of the effects up for this film, my favorite being the zombie with the guts falling out. Um, That's the best part. Mm-hmm. I, I actually have a funny story about that, but uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you later. Okay. The most interesting thing about this movie, I don't know if any of you have read uh, Tom Savini's book, Grand Illusions. Um, no, right not. No, but no. he heard about he, it. It's a great book, and he goes, you know, he, he describes how he did all the effects, and it talks about, um, at the end, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, but when Joe Pilato, who plays Rhodes, gets ripped in half, they had filled the body with, you know, these animal entrails. And before they filmed this scene, they had went to Florida to, to do some shots. And the refrigerator that they had stored all of these entrails in, the power went out. And oh, lovely. all of these entrails, when they when they came back to, to film the scene, were all rotten. And when they film the scene, he Woo! actually passes out when he's Yeah, you can wrestling. see, you know, when yeah. he's like choke on him, choke on him, you can see him actually faint, and he's really fainting because the smell was so horrific. Mm-hmm. You can see it, yeah, it's right there in the on, film. On the old uh, Anchor Bay uh, special edition DVD, they actually talk about that for a bit, and uh, Savini was shooting a video for behind the scenes, and the minute nice. Romero calls cut, you can hear the all, all the zombies goes, oh, and poor Pilato is <laughs> laying there. And they, and they all start fanning his face, like, to, to try to keep this, because he can't move. So, like, yeah. they all start, like, trying like, to fan his face, and he's just like, oh, God. But, yeah. I think, but I think that effect works so well with that, because Rose was just like, you literally see his face like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And it just kind of added, like, a little extra neat kind of uh, you know effect to it you know with his reactions kind of made it look even gorier you know what you i mean because i mean everybody's flat out just doing multiple you know crew divisions here you know everybody every other person's doing stunts you know assistant directing uh you know makeup you know zombie extra you know and and for yeah savini and the other guys to be taking behind the scenes stuff that is cool you know it's just it just shows that the love that went into it and that's what we see on screen as opposed to take my money right oh, Shut take my money <laughs> <laughs> as much as i like the 1990 night of the living dead that one i don't really recall being as gory as you know these well, earlier he ones. didn't really do the effects so much on that because he was busy directing the smoke and mirrors uh documentary about savini which is really really good by the way um, it's on shutter um he talks about his frustrations with doing that because he couldn't really do the effects the way he wanted um and he was so busy with directing it was a lot of stress for him Damn. and you see that you see that in, in that feet. documentary you get a whole different view on, on savini and who i honestly think is the best of the best as far as effects. Like, you just can't top him. And and now with CGI, we don't have as many practical effects, and I really like the practical effects much more so than, like, CGI. I just It just doesn't Absolutely. do it for me. It's a little yes. of both. I mean, computer graphics, when they're done good, they are phenomenal. When they're done bad, it is so bad. Yeah. Walking Dead, anyone? 
nobody's head's made of jello. They're like going through these with like a sword right through the skull. And I'm like, I don't think that. Like, no, no. Which is kind of a shame because I mean, I know Kurtzman, you know, Robert Kurtzman, another Savini uh, graduate in yeah. college, uh, works on that show. And, you know, I'm kind of in that same pigeonhole. And Greg here. Nicotero, who was also learned a lot from Savini, you know, he's obviously The Walking Dead, basically. Does yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. I'm like, got, he would know better people. than than a sword or something random just going through a head like jello like head, there's a skull there it's like you don't have skulls or something i don't understand it very confusing because i mean there's like three different people working on that show there's like three different you know visual effects cgi companies and there's like two different makeup people and i have my my good buddy uh genie acosta strompos does stunt work on the spinoff and i mean just like being an extra there's just a lot of just sitting there you know walking around or sitting down you know shutting up and being a zombie but it's very cool for all the stunt people i mean that they always get invited back by the coordinator and all that and she's very talented in her own right um it it is one of those where it's like you don't really see all that much of it on screen because clearly a lot of work is going into it and clearly you know they're going to cut out most of that anyway so it makes you yeah it makes you wonder why they're even wasting all that much money if they're not going to use it it's just either because they can or they just want to have the option yeah Yeah. um so sean was there anything you wanted to add no, not really. I'm I'm okay. anxious to hear other people's takes. Oh, you're gonna love Rob's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, then let's go to Rob. <laughs> oh yeah. So this was after they actually released the the Anchor Bay uh, uh, special edition of Day in the Dead. I used to go off and uh, get like a breakfast in the morning, and I and it was like you know oh, I would boy. always get a big big healthy platter, you know, because <laughs> I'm fat. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I get the whole thing: pancakes, you know, omelet, uh, bacon, sausage, ham, whatever. And uh, I'm sitting there eating it one morning while watching Day of the Dead. And uh, I, I, I get I get the pancakes. And today, that day, I remember I specifically got strawberry syrup on my uh, pancakes. So, like you know, it, it was a nice healthy mood. Um, as I'm watching it, the the, the, the scene. Where we're introduced to um, Bub, and you know you have the zombie laying on the the, the counter and stuff, and uh, he starts to turn over, and his stomach slowly starts turning out. Um, my father, my father decides to walk into the, my room without knocking, uh, and he <laughs> walks. He's like, "Hey, Rob!" As soon as the the, the interiors and stuff starts slowly rolling out and splats on the floor. Mind you, I turned to him to see what he wanted, not realizing that I had strawberry syrup all over my mouth. And oh, wow. And I'm still chewing, and I go, look, hey, what's going on, Pop? And then he looks at me, he looks back at the screen and goes, I'll tell you later. And then he walks right out. Conversation killer. Oh, shit. He, he later pulled me to the side. I was like, yo, you could watch that shit while you eat like that, man? Like, like, And I'm like, yeah, it's just this movie. And he's like, Oh man, I can't do that. I can't do that, man. <laughs> I have that with my my pick. Uh, I can I can eat. I've eaten many times watching it, and it's it's a hard one. I'm, most people can't do when it. You're but... hungry. You're hungry. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's just gross. You know, it's okay. I'm I'm eating. I'm hungry. Damn. I ate during Oculus and Hellraiser, but I can't eat during giant bug movies or <laughs> people getting their intestines. Oh. I can pretty much eat through any movie. Don't ever <laughs> test me on that. Skinny <laughs> during uh... challenge accepted. Okay, yeah, let's find the worst movie of all time. <laughs> just... I've only gotten physically ill from one movie, and it, movie? and it's, it's, it's actually it's actually a shocker. And have you ever seen Cabin Fever two? Oh yeah, I can understand. Oh, no, yes, that one. No, no and like the, the the movie's fine until I won't try to spoil it as much. But there's a scene where one of the teenagers discovers that he is leaking pus, thick yellow pus, and he's leaking it from you know. I cannot even let, think let, of anything that made me physically ill. I really can't. Like, <laughs> like I'm I'm good, but that scene was just too much, and I was like, no, no. I, oh, I, I this, care this my is... pick. <laughs> what, what about the remake? It seemed like it had a lot more. Oh, I didn't even bother with that. Yeah, there's like a bear that gets slaughtered and then a bear slaughtering other people and some other shit. And it, I don't know why. It just made me like, I, I really don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I've, I've gotten physically ill 
watching something, but it wasn't horror. Anybody familiar with Faces of Death? Yes. Um, no. Well, you know, I refuse to watch that. I only I watched like a little bit, and I was like, I gotta stop. Yeah, no, can't and, do that one. That's real yeah. life. <laughs> and, and there, there was one time we had rented it from the video store. I think I was maybe sixteen or seventeen, unbeknownst to my mom. And we were sitting around eating pizza, me and a couple buddies, and. You know, it there was this one, and I won't go into detail because it was really graphic, but we all just kind of turned to each other, and you could just see all of our faces are just, like, completely white. And it was like, okay, now we got to turn this off. It was too much. That was right. me well, when, when I watched Faces curious. of Death. I put it on, and I'm like, okay, I you know, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this. This is before the internet, so it was just kind of like this. People talked about it, and they were like, have you seen it? And you know, I started to watch it. I'm like, okay, this is real. And when it crosses over into real, I can't do it. Yeah, like, I mean. Like, fake stuff all day. Gross me out. That's fine. But real stuff, I freak. I can't I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I can do on-screen serial killers. I I just can't. No matter how I try, I just can't listen to live serial killer confessions and all that. And same yeah, thing. Yeah, that, that's when it gets to where. I'll watch a movie about the Iceman. That's a good movie. I can't. I can't see the actual confessions where he's talking about skinning kids and cats. And all yeah, that. you're just like, yeah. oh, God, this really happened. And, you know, the world is full of monsters. I like my monsters on screen, okay? I can't deal with the real world monsters. They're too scary. I'm, I'm listening to all you talk about. Like, yeah, I can't watch that. And it's like, I... I, I yes, I'm a psycho. I <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn, so I'm desensitized to all that shit. I, I, I don't see so much real-life shit that... Uh, like, you know, it's like, eh, you know, it's whatever. Ugh. And it's funny that that's how Savini learned how to do such really great effects in his movies is because he was a photographer in right. Vietnam, you know, and he had to photograph all these like, horrific deaths. I like I like the story he, they, they, they tell about when he did the effects for uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and uh, the scene with the college scumbag gets his head cut in half. <laughs> the yeah. And they was like, they wanted rivers of blood pouring out. And he was like, no, but you see, like, you only got these tiny little veins in your head. So it'd be like, like little fountains shooting out of the head, which is exactly the effect he did. Yeah. Yeah, he tried to keep it real. Ricky Morgan on the House of Wax, you know, W-A-H-A-C-K-S, did a real good episode on that actually rather recently. And I think he covered some of, again, the making of with Savini's makeup. (laughs) All right, let's go with, okay, Cameron, go ahead and do your pick. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if Rob was going to pick Wishmaster or if I was going to lean off of that. Oh my god, that's right. I didn't realize. I didn't even say. I told my story. You can throw in on his. Uh, Well, I'll I'll, I'll leave that later. Uh, I'm going to start out with a movie that kind of seemed to try and one-up all the other horror movies that were going on. And I can can understand if people don't like it, if they don't like the star in the comic book. Uh, Blade, the very first one. Oh, yeah. Nightclub, he's got all these Lost Boys type guys. Not great either. Ah, dude. I'm sorry. I love Mahersha Ali. I'll be damned if they're going to do as good a R-rated Blade as that one. It's definitely not going to be rated R. Um, It was a good scene at one time. Well, and the script for it uh, alone is one of the best scripts I've ever read. It's one of the first scripts I ever read by David Esquire, back before he became the go-to comic book guy, uh, and he was still doing R-rated actioners and horror movies and with this one you know you just see this guy walking in with a shit eating grin he thinks he's gonna get laid it's big techno rape boom 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 you know it's a remix of a new order song and just you come in with this robed figure with a shotgun and you know just starts slaughtering the entire crowd you don't know what the hell's going on you're just like is he a massacring these people it's like oh no they're vampires okay cool it's all good <laughs> it's very awesome <laughs> it's now, not if i'm wrong but don't they do this thing where like there's blood pouring down, like, as they're dancing. Yes, yeah. Okay, okay. It's been a minute since I've watched it. Right, and, I mean, then you see this masked figure in. You don't know if he's the Terminator or just some other random, you know, Death Wish-level, you know, vigilante. And it's like, well, neither. He's just, he's what Buffy was, and he's he's the daywalker. You know what's funny is that, although I I do enjoy the movie as much as Cameron does, I, I truly believe that that opening scene is probably more iconic than the movie itself. Yeah, literally everybody remembers the opening scene from Blade with the yeah. where he you know with the, the the blood rain coming down the side and then he just yeah, makes see, that's and one more scene in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. The soundtrack for Blade is fucking amazing. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. that all there are some great horror soundtracks out there. I could talk about Blade that all day. Blade two as well. Yeah, Blade two. I used to be as savvy on Blade two, and I mean, 
in my opinion, that's like the best work Del Toro ever did. I was never as keen on his other stuff on popular opinion, but I mean, yeah, it hasn't it dated as much. It, it's, it's okay. It hasn't dated as well with the CGI and all that. I mean, it looked pretty bad even back then when I saw the making of on AMC. But uh, yeah, with Blade 1, it's dated pretty well. Unfortunately, I have seen it so many times, so during the final confrontation, uh, I can clearly tell it's the stunt doubles jumping around. I'm actually best friends <laughs> with the guy being Steven Dorff's stunt double. And he's like, yeah, that's not Steven Dorff. And I'm it, one of those weirdos that likes Blade Trinity um, because... Oh, I'm, like, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of in love with <laughs> Jessica Biel. I love Jessica Biel. I have a crush on her. She's and awesome. I, I just love that movie because she's in it and she's awesome and she kicks ass. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's a different conversation. It's better than Spider-Man Free. I'll give you it's that. A lot. It's better. <laughs> uh, well, you can argue over whether it's better than X-Men Last Stand. <laughs> Let's see, guys. I think both Blade Trinity and uh, Spider-Man 3 are better than X-Men Last Stand. I like Last Stand. Yeah. Free. I can't do Spike Free. It's just so boring. But Last Stand does have some bad plot holes and all that shit. So yeah, That's the least yeah. of its troubles. Blade's an unusual movie, and it's still worth seeing if you're into vampires and gothicness. And I was just speaking today because a lot of people are like, okay, if you could have like a superpower, what would it be? I'm like, I want to be a fucking vampire. I really don't want to be a superhero. I want to be a vampire. I, I want to fly, but I don't want to save anyone. I'm going to douche that way. No, I just want to be a fucking vampire. I want to drink blood. I want to, you know, Ugh. live at night. And there's something very sexy about vampires. You no, know, it's not. I think so. So That's you get my thing. Just but after sexy. You get HIV. No, by... I'm thinking more Bram Stoker gothic. Oh, yeah. Kind of Dracula <laughs> stuff. Yeah, that's kind of hot. I want to be a scanner. Withered creature who a gets scanner. young with blood. What? Nice. Never mind. <laughs> well, it's your turn. To, it's your turn to go anyway, Daniel. What do you have to throw in? Uh, I'm, I'm allowed. Yes, you are. Well, I guess since we've talked some pretty prominent stuff so far, and I want to drag some of my, my obscure ones out later, The Thing, John that was, Carpenter. That was a crazy movie. Brilliantly done, and it is graphic. Very the transformation scenes. Uh, movie Maniacs, back when they were doing a lot of horror creature uh, action figures. There's so many I still want to try and buy, but they're just collector's items, so they're expensive. But they did a... That was my introduction to the thing. They had, like, the dog mutant creature. Yeah, that, that one initial scene of the mutation where it's the dog turning into this... I can only call it a death blossom, this flowery, bloody thing. Even after seeing it so many times now, it's so disgustingly gory. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I watched that movie, and what's great about the way that it was done, the effects were amazing for the time, and even now when you watch it, you're not like, oh, that's so dated. It just looks really good, but it's also like you feel that paranoia. Like, you're paranoid the watching isolation. It. You know, you're very, yeah, you feel it. Just it conveyed so well, and you're, you're scared. Like, you feel what they're feeling as they're feeling it. You know, it's just... so well done. The words from that one scene where he says, you know, no one trusts anyone now and we're all very tired. Yes. And that's the perfect summary. You know yes. it's going downhill from there. Right. There was a cool a computer game they did, like, in 2002 that was very well ranked because it was, like, a prequel and I think kind of an aftermath or something to that extent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Also, uh, Fred, the scene where they find the uh, abandoned Dutch base and the one guy has slashed his wrist and the blood is frozen. As it's cascading off his arms. Very stylish movie. Yeah. yeah. Very, very. Just someone I need to give that gender. one a rewatch. I haven't watched it in decades, literally. <laughs> <laughs> and and especially the scene where they're doing the blood test. And yeah. The the yeah. creature starts transforming right next to them. It's like the head splits in half. The face is swelling. The blood is pouring out. That is such an utterly nightmarish visual. Yeah. Yeah. And then Great. there's the clay, there's the claymation frozen version out there on social media, which I think is just beautiful. Oh, hmm. wow. you haven't seen this? Nope. No. Uh, it's it's literally a stop motion claymation short of the characters from Frozen imitating that scene, <laughs> and you you better look it up because it will you'll be wetting your pants with laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. I'm gonna write that one down. 
Mm-hmm. Show you what I already know. Okay. Yeah, I'll beat you. Is it is it down to me now? Okay. Oh yes. I want to talk about a really fun film, one of my favorite gore films, because it is just so over the top and it's hilarious. <laughs> um, Dead Alive, and it's so funny. Oh yes. And Peter Jackson, and I mean, this is the man who would go on to do like these beautiful, expensive Lord of the Rings movies that are just so beautiful and win all these Oscars. And but he did this absolutely insane. His early movies weren't saying like Meet the Peoples and stuff like that. But Dead Alive is my favorite, that and is. I can this, that, that's the movie I can sit there and I can eat and watch it, and I'm just dying laughing like. The, the mom starts like decomposing <laughs> and she's eating the soup and her ear falls off and she eats her ear and you're just like, oh my God. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the quote my daughter and I love to say to each other, we'll be like, you know, your mother ate my dog. Well, not all of it. <laughs> <laughs> probably the most iconic scene, the one that everybody, you know, remembers probably the most is the lawnmower scene. You know, right. Right. All oh, these you know, yeah. zombies basically in the house, and he's just like, How am I gonna get rid of them? And he turns it on, and he's just mowing through literally all these zombies, and he's slipping and sliding and falling in the blood. It's just gushing, it's everywhere, and it's just like, Oh my god, over the top. And he's just to me, like, when it's like that, I just can't stop laughing. It's just like, Wasn't this... it a video nasty at one point? The UK was just being, very... yeah mean doing yeah. it and it's like really this is a comic horror comedy you know this yeah, is different I mean, from all the other movies the whole so point is over the top but i mean yeah. but the gore is is there and it's it's just in your face guts head splitting open just Babies nasty death the part with the baby is just oh my god it's so ridiculous because i mean <laughs> faces so of death was at least an exploitation you know showing real shit and this is again this is all fiction <laughs> yeah, so that's why you can kind of have fun with it. It's one of my favorites, just to pop in and have a good laugh. And people are like, you laugh at that? I'm like, yeah, it's hilarious. So over the top. <laughs> it's so crazy. And, and it's so gross. A lot of people are like, ew, when she eats her ear, I just like want to vomit. I'm like, I thought it was so funny. I, I can't even tell you. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> gross. <laughs> there's, a, there's a funny thing. Um, Stuart Gordon, uh, on his commentary for Reanimator, he said that he thought he held a record for most gallons of blood spilled on the movie with 50 when he ah. made the animator. Until he spoke to Peter Jackson and he asked him how many gallons of blood he used on uh, Dead Alive and he said 3,000. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the lawnmower machine alone. Uh, I, 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 I think majority of the gallons were used on the lawnmower scene. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I and, mean, uh, he yeah. is literally slipping, sliding, wading oh. through just blood. The, the climax. At the on the roof when when he basically bursts out of her stomach, yeah. And, uh, that one was like, oh, uh, it was like a big like what the fuck moment. Peter yeah. Jackson was Tarantino before it was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> may, may I just put this out here, please? Uh huh. Maybe you may have heard the story, but um, when Peter Jackson made his Lord of the Rings movies, movies. New Line took a huge gamble on him. Make no mistake. Yeah, and um, the then CEO of New Line, I can't remember his name. He was also responsible for the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Robert so, Shea. Yes, thank you. But uh, he actually got invited to Jackson's office for a sneak preview of the first film, the footage they edited that far. And he said he walked in, and there was a big poster on the wall for Dead Alive, <laughs> and, and that he just broke out in chills and he thought, "Oh my God, I gave this man like three hundred billion dollars." <laughs> but it's so crazy when you see like you know something low budget crazy insane like dead alive and then you watch like the majesty of the lord of the rings movies and i'm also a fan of the hobbit movies myself um i thought he did a fantastic job on those i mean and they're just like so beautifully done and you know so it just shows like you know he was having a little fun but i mean he can just get down and and do the deed when he needs to, you know, and he did a great a job. Of love. You know, it's what um, Guillermo del Toro said about trying to re- remake the Universal Classics. You've got to do it from a position of love. He made yes. Dead Alive from a position of love. He made The Lord of the Rings from a position of love. They're saying this new uh, Invisible Man is really good. I'm like, that's great. Because I'm I haven't ready seen it, to but I'm see very it. I, I keep reading about it, and it just it sounds so fantastic. Like, oh, yeah, it, it, like it doing, absolutely you know, is. Kind of putting a different twist on it 
you know, making it darker even, you know, with like gaslighting and things like that, you know, would really happen in that situation. So I've read so much about it and I'm just really want to see it. And I'm not big on going to see modern movies too much. And so I'm I, really, I can't blame you. I, I'm really wanting to see it. I haven't I been just, to the cinema since Dark Fate came out. And it's probably going to stay that way. Well, I do go to the movies quite a bit, <laughs> but uh, my daughter was like, let's go see anime. But I think the last movie that we went to see that was a movie, was it Zombieland 2? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Cause, uh, it, if you cannot riff tracks in anime, it's probably Zombieland 2. <laughs> well, damn. Okay, so anybody well, want to throw out another movie? Um, oh, I've, we got, do... I've got a couple. Oh, we're going to do Wishmaster. Let's fucking do Wishmaster. Wishmaster was I pick, and I didn't even get to throw it out there, so... Uh, I'll let you introduce it. Robber. Yes. All right, all right so Cameron, uh, you could you could uh, join me in with it. Yeah, <laughs> Wishmaster? <laughs> Wishmaster, like, when he was talking about Day of the Dead and how it was, like, uh, Tom Savini's best work, it's like, I would go as far as to say Wishmaster... You could say the same thing about Wishmaster and K&B. As yeah. far as that being their best work when it comes to gore and and effects work, even back then when I first saw it, I was just like, and I just rewatched it, so I had fresh eyes on it, and it's like, this is this is just a, I like creative like when gore is done creatively, it's done so creatively in there, like uh, in the in the opening massacre and scene where the the skeleton pops out of the dude, <laughs> and like literally like it's just like it's just so glorious uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> that and um and the end massacre which is quite possibly my yes. favorite part like when uh, uh wasn't it tammy lauren has to go through the hallway and there's the dude hanging from the ceiling with that whatever the hell it was just basically just chilling inside and it's like i i don't even know what the hell that was it looked like it has three legs or three tongues or whatever and it's just <laughs> fucking wiggling in the dude's neck <laughs> Yeah, and and also when the statues come alive and uh, Howard Berger plays the one of the security guards and he gets the yes. the, the, the face right in the face and it just completely caves his face in uh, and it's just it, it's such it's such an amazing amazing piece of work when it comes to just gore effects and makeup effects at all like I mean like Can B I mean I love Savini but Can B is probably with, like where my love of gore first came from like yeah. you know. From, Army of Darkness, um, Intruder. And it's funny because KMB was kind of, you know, a lot of them learned stuff from Savini. They were right. kind of an option. Savini's in this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I love how he just makes a cameo there as the guy trying to help the person who's, you know, getting cancer and dying instantly at the pharmaceutical. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Reggie Bannister. What's wrong? What's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> he's in the upper right hand corner it's a blink and a miss it cameo but it's just funny just seeing how he and a bunch of other guys are making a cameo in that whole scene that's the grossest right. scene in the movie but it's fine <laughs> the, the funny thing is that that scene where where Reg, reggie bannister dies like that it it's kind of reminds me of uh the tall man's death from phantasm 2 and the tall like, man's in this. <laughs> yeah like the way like the bubbling and the pus is coming out and stuff and it's like you could you could say Wishmaster is almost kind of like w- what Can B had learned from like others up until that point, like from Savini, from Mark Showstrom, from everywhere else, and they just kind of implemented that in that work and just kind of like took it to another level. Mm-hmm. I look at Wishmaster like that as like the true testament to like their work when it comes to makeup effects. Like I, you know, it it really bummed me out when like they all split up. Well, you know, Kurtzman split up from. Nicotero and uh, Burger, and I was kind of like, oh, it's inevitable. I mean, everyone want, has different future plans, and I just look okay. at it like a, a band splitting up. It's just like, okay, well, I yeah, still like their music. Go in a little bit different direction, you know. Well, and they they got to go with their gut, and even if their gut's wrong, it's just all they know what to go off of. It's they like don't Romero and um, Russo, you know. Yes, um, they did Night Living Dead, and then you know Russo went on to do. The Return of Living Dead stuff and Romero stayed with the serious dead movies. It was it was a neat pairing for the original, you know, getting the modern zombie out there. But then they kind of split and went in different directions with it. True. Right. Uh, it's funny you mentioned this. This would have been awesome, even more awesome, had it been a drive-in movie, uh, especially because they got uh, Chris Lemon, son of Jack, also as the yeah. main uh, 
protagonist uh, boss. What was it? Like the seven of Chris Lemons? I'm sorry, I'm thinking of MSC3K. <laughs> oh, you're thinking of SMS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no, I Devoff was born to play this role. Uh, originally, yes. Dina Mayer was supposed to play uh, Tammy's, Lauren's uh, main character, Alexandra. But th- the studio wasn't wanting to go with her, even though, you know, this came out after Starship Troopers and uh, I, I just like the whole overall suspense. I like how everyone is just playing around with the wishes, and even though they're playing around with it, they still can't get him to, you know, go back into his little lamp. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of other Easter eggs in here. There's the statue from the Exorcist in one brief blink-and-a-miss scene. There's a, mm-hmm. a joke, this guy is not Robin Williams. <laughs> so it, it has the same kind of playfulness of the Leprechaun movies and Warlock as well, you know, also by Lionsgate back in the day, and... Uh, I like how Peter Atkins, he really, of uh, the first four Hellraiser movies, uh, wrote the script. He really didn't take it that seriously. He's like, there's only so much you can do with a fucking, you know, evil genie. But he, he does right. have enough plot twists to make it interesting. I watch it once a year, and I always introduce it to a few friends who have heard about it or vaguely remember seeing it on Showtime or Sci-Fi Channel. But Yeah, it's been it's so long since I've seen it. It's like I'm having big memories of it. Like I'm, uh, like, I think before. I'm due for a watch. It's actually been a while since I watched it when I rewatched it, and I just noticed that the dock worker who basically sets everything off when he drops the, the crate on poor Ted Raimi, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that was Joe Pilato. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, oh shit, that's fucking Rhodes. Yeah, there's a reason a lot of people have rediscovered this and said this is the Expendables of Horror. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, Robert everybody's Robert, in this. Robert England does a good job as the other businessman professor guy who uh england is just great robert england is just great i actually feel sorry for his death i'm like god damn it don't kill this guy who's been playing don't kill him and uh the director you know kurtzman he had only two million dollars he shot this like in two weeks or something like that or two months something to that extent and he makes use of them you know you do see all the money on screen and it serves every moment i like how the he also is like one of the first victims in the end massacre, the guy who gets the piano chords, you know, strangled yeah. to death and punctured. I, I like how we got ourselves a Rico Ross from Aliens here as the police guy who's during the police massacre scene, remember, where he's like, yeah. I, uh, the Wishmasters are going there to get, you know. Uh... Yeah, and, and then we got is, yeah, Puppet Master, Star Trek, uh, fellow uh, stuntman Dennis Magdalone, as they're playing the felon who just, yeah, the Wishmaster just makes him go all apeshit and start tearing people's jaws off and shooting them to death. And so that gives him a reason to kill him, but it's just so fucking funny because while he's doing that, he's like, why is this guy asking me, he's clearly a stalker, why is he asking me questions about where this woman lives? Oh, hey, uh, the guy I want to kill is going apeshit. I, I have an excuse to finally put him to end now, and I like how yeah. The guy has a whole holy shit look on his face. He's like, wait, wait, that, what's, that's not me firing. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell is happening? Why I am I doing this? I'm possessed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, does anybody have a different movie? Because I have one, but I'll wait. I do. Go ahead, Daniel. This is a slightly older movie, Ravenous. Yes. Oh, that was From underrated. Underrated. Guy Pierce, no McDonald. That was an interesting movie. I didn't really know what it was going to be about when I first watched it. I kind of had an idea, but then I watched it, and I was very, very impressed. Very impressed. It's 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 a corny movie, very over-the-top, brilliant soundtrack. Good atmosphere. Some, some disturbing themes. Yeah. And some effective use of gore. It's not blood-splattering, but when you see it, it's like, eh. Yeah, you're like, oh. IFC, back when they actually played what they're supposed to play, used to play this nonstop independent film channel. And uh, it was an internet. It was a de- uh, that or the Showtime channels. You know, they would play it. They liked a lot of indie films like this. And it definitely had a pretty cool atmosphere. I was always kind of mad on it, but I would always come back and revisit it. It just had some kind of fascinating creativity to it. And yeah. uh, Guy is Guy Pierce is just brilliant in this. And this is shortly after he did LA Confidential and all these other lesser-known movies, uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And, yeah. Oh, that's such a great movie. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and they, they killed David Arquette, which is always good, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I, I, I saw him get capped on, I think, Deputy recently. I was like, thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like him. I just don't like him. Sorry. Uh, didn't he die in one of the last screams? 
No. Uh, no, he, they, they, he came close to death, but then uh, it's he that's covered right. yeah. and blah, blah, blah. You know. <laughs> just had to keep, died. You know, he going. died as he died. <laughs> I said, David O'Kent, died as he lived, uselessly. <laughs> we're misties here so we just can't help ourselves we gotta just <laughs> have those references some people you just gotta be used well i just wanted to mention uh briefly the first evil dead and you're thinking why which i mentioned that i mean oh, it's gory but it's like <laughs> stupid gory and that's kind of where all my picks are coming from the very first evil dead um if you ever read bruce campbell's first book yep yep um he talks about it. I mean, they literally had no money. And he talks about how they did the effects. And, I mean, they they did this all themselves. Yeah. Um, coming up with stuff. Because, I mean, even at the end, is like he's, you know, Ash is chopped up, you know, all his friends, whatever. Like, they're kind of, like, wiggling on the floor. And it's like this oatmeal green stuff coming out. I mean, it looks like oatmeal. I think it was something else, but it, it literally looks like oatmeal. It, it was some kind of food. And it just looks so stupid. But, I mean, it's just, it's gory and on a shoestring budget they it was effective effective enough to make a franchise out of and you know the thing is, is they were really trying to make this serious horror film and everybody fucking laughed at it because it was so ridiculous and you know you saw bruce campbell at, like being so serious you know and then along comes evil dead too they kind of retell the story and they're just like we know what we're doing this time, and we know that it's funny, and we're just going to go with it. But, um, yeah, Evil Dead 1, it took itself pretty seriously. But, you you know, the watchers were not taking this seriously. Like, oh, my yes. God. And his girlfriend gets possessed. And she's <laughs> laughing. I'm like, I want to go in there and kill her. Will you please kill her? Right. I this is already after that. Anymore. I really can't stand it. Kill her. It's already after the tree rape. And so, yeah, that's just yeah, wild. Yeah, and that was an interesting thing right there but i mean it's just considering how little they had to work with they did a really good job and the fact that something so unknown so small scale went on to be this huge cult thing like i mean they just did a great job with you know the gore just but it was fun it was funny but not intentionally and they later realized like okay yeah this is funny i guess but yeah uh, i mean and they got and they got a boost from stephen king stephen king was very pivotal yeah. yeah, he was he was pivotal in getting this movie watched. He's one of my favorite people ever, but uh, he's a really cool dude. The history yeah. of horror episode where they talked about all a lot of those things, as well as yeah, how Bruce got a you know twisted ankle, and I think someone else broke their leg, and the crewmen left. The fact that you know so many people kept, kept yeah kept quitting, and hearing more of that utter just cool recollection on how Stephen King really did you know help him survive all the shitty reviews, and had him. I mean, the fact that they got ripped off, they had Japanese company invested, they never saw a return on that money, so it's like right, yeah. it just I mean, makes just you angry. Really worked with what <laughs> they had, and they, they made it work, and Ted Raimi, you know, he is such a cool dude, and, you know, yeah. so for a lot of, you know, Nobody the worst is. scenes that they had to do, they were like, oh, Ted, we need you. <laughs> at the one Wishmaster uh, reunion, Ted was at that panel, and it's just so funny how all the cast members started playing a game of, let's name a movie where Ted doesn't die in. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just and absolutely we... hysterical. They're like, well, I don't die in Patriot Games, but that's not a horror movie, so that doesn't count. I don't yeah. die in this, but it's a comedy. But I see a lot of people saying they find this movie scary. I, It's funny. I don't, I don't see it being scary. I can see people being scared by part two. I can't see people being scared by this one, but maybe that's just me. By part, I'm not scared by any of the Evil Dead stuff. I just think it's you know, groovy. It's a fun, um, well, exactly. It's a fun party movie. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I named my son Ash. I mean, I'm just loving <laughs> Ash. Oh, he's, he's going to hate you. He's going to hate you. No, he doesn't understand how cool it is yet. You know, you can't take the Evil Dead movie seriously, and they realize that after the first one. And then, you know, it really kind of pushed Evil Dead into this cult thing. And mm -hmm. Bruce just really got the hammer up, which he's great at. I'm the guy uh, with but, the gut. But you don't see that hamminess in his first performance in Evil Dead. They just put their best efforts into this really awful gore. And, <laughs> and, and Ash is being so serious and he's like, traumatizes his girlfriend, this is his friends, you know. So I wonder I if they did they ever use some of these same measures on more professional sets, like using the blood <laughs> that shoots through the pipe through through a water hose? Absolutely. Really? Okay. No, it's just cool to know because this really did just help people learn it's new incredibly special basic. effects. 
Yeah, well, that's just what well, I like. And not only that, but they had no budget, and Sam Raimi invented a style like you know the conda, blah blah. You know, with the spirit coming up and through the forest, and you got this camera zoom. And Sam Raimi, he did that with a couple of boards, and it became a standard. It became something that everybody did because it was so effective. It was so well done, and he yeah. did it for next to nothing. And it's so yeah, famous now. Even, even Francis Ford Coppola ripped it off for uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, I mean, everybody oh. after that I didn't did know it. That. And, yeah, and Sam Raimi, like, he invented that. So for nothing, for a couple boards and just the way that he did the camera, and it was, it, it was groundbreaking. Yeah, so it's a very important film for that, you know, for so many reasons, actually. But well, so many know. other famous people were having, you know, Scorsese was on drugs. Spielberg was pretending to not lose his shit. And with, him, with Sam, he was pretty much just always just had a serious, you know, a sense of humor. And that pretty much got him through everything. He just kept going up to everyone saying, Bruce, you're going to have to do this. And Bruce instantly, you know, knew there was no saying, no, we got to get it done. And them all being friends, you know, Bruce and, and Sam and Ted, and, and they had made, like... They these, trusted each other. Yeah, they were they were buds, you know, they, they'd grown up together, they were friends, and, you know, that friendship you still see today, and I think that's really, really great, and... Absolutely. Yeah, you know, so, you know, Sam does these, a big budget dude now, and he'll throw Bruce in there all the time, Bruce is his buddy, and he, you know, straight up said to Bruce, like, the reason we're having you do this, when he was, a, you know, one, a good actor... But he's like, we're picking you because you're the one that women are most likely to go after. To right. <laughs> and Bruce is like, me? You well, think so? Well, not incorrect. Hail to the chin. I'm the guy with the gun. <laughs> Good, right. Ben. I'm the guy with the gun. Rupi, baby. So, what's next? I, I would like to go next. Okay. Yes. Uh, this is a particular favorite of mine. I've loved Ooh. this ever since I was a kid. Uh, the Fly 2. Yes. I would like uh, to to tell a story. It's story time, everyone. Okay. Um, <laughs> Gather around the camp. As, as, as I said uh, last time we recorded, uh, I've started showing my niece and nephew horror films when they were entirely too young to have been watching them. This, this portion, I showed the fly to to my nephew when he was about five. And uh, oh. you know how the movie opens with the the birth scene. There's a scene where um, Gina Davis's character, who's not played by Gina Davis. It's Eric she gives... Stoltz in the second one, correct? Yes, yes. Just then. Okay, yeah. Uh, she gives birth to like a cocoon kind of thing, which they then uh, cut open to reveal like this, this squishy yellow pussy thing. And then they cut that open and they pull out a baby, which is, you know, grows up to be Martin Brundle. I showed that to my nephew, and he's sitting there with this level of disgust on his face. And then <laughs> after the scene was over, I told him that's how my sister gave birth to him. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> and he was just like, what? <laughs> yeah, we cut you out a bunch of yellow pots. Right. And then... Uh, this is birth. Uh, this is what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is how mommy gave birth to you. After after he went back to my to my sister's house, I got a call later that night like, Dude, what the fuck did you tell my kid, man? <laughs> <laughs> but um, sorry. Yeah, uh, to, to to go back to the movie, um, I, it was it's always been one of my particular favorites, especially as far as like gore and makeup effects, like the scene where after uh, Martin has gone full fly creature, and he throws up on the dude, and like. He vomits on the dude's face, and the dude rips his face off as yeah. it's melting. Screaming skull. And like he, yeah, and it, it, yeah, it's screaming. Is just like one of my all-time favorite effects in a movie ever. Mm-hmm. It's just like the, that shot of a dude screaming with his face ripped off, and it's just like awful. Like you know what I'm saying? Because how well it's done, but it, as as a gore hound, it's just so beautiful. You know? <laughs> Very also, well done. also. Also, the dude that gets his head squished by the, the, the elevator. That's a great... and then bite into a strawberry the same way again. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why do I not remember any of this? I don't know. You need to go back and rewatch. Out. Uh, probably because I, I don't know, saw it on AMC and I just didn't think it was as good as the first one, but... It's not... I will say that. The first one's better. You know, you've got Jeff Goldblum and 
you know, I'm a fan of classic films, so I love the original The Fly, you know, got Vincent Price in the supporting role. And it was just a well-done movie, especially for the time. It was really, really dark. And then um, when they did the remake of The Fly with Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis, it was just so well done, and it was so, like, gruesome. Um, I prefer the first film. I do like the second one, though. But, yeah. All right. I'll give it a rego. I... I, I am a huge fan. We were going to talk about special effects people. I, I'm a huge fan of Chris Wallace. Yeah. Who, who directs yeah. this one. He's also he's better known for, you know, uh, House 2. House uh, 2, oh my God. Deep Star oh. 6, Enemy oh. Mine, oh. Uh, Raiders of the uh, Lost Gremlins. Ark. Yeah, Gremlins. Oh, and, um, oh Sean loves uh, Enemy Mine, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ar- arachnophobia. I, I, I think everyone does. But uh, yeah, Arachnophobia. He, he knows how to create creatures, you know, practical as well as do the designs. And uh, he's just a very cool guy. And he knows how to be honest without sounding ungrateful, you know, awesome without overstaying his welcome. He's just very, just always a delight every time I hear him in interviews. And it's so funny when you hear about him and talking about Gremlins, how he just almost put his arm out you know, just trying to operate the damn thing. <laughs> well, I've got a honorable mention. And the effects on this one, and this is my favorite horror film. I'm staring at a poster of it right now. Dawn of the Dead. Get down with the sickness. No, sorry, the original. No, not that Dawn of the Dead. We're talking about the. I know. I'm joking. I I couldn't resist. I'm a disturbed guy. (laughs) In so many ways, Cameron. In so many ways. Okay, I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, in Dawn of the Dead, the zombies ended up (laughs) kind of being because Sabini was trying to do like a gray look. On them, and it kind of turned out green. And and Romero's like, no, 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 I really like it because the blood contrasts so well with it. And he wanted kind of a comic book look to Dawn of the Dead, so that's where we got these, you know, greenish zombies, and we've got this blood that is just so bright red. You know what I mean? And it's just, and we had great effects. Like the guy that keeps wanting, you know, when they finally break into the mall, you know, the the biker dudes. And which Savini is the leader of. But, you know, he's a guy who keeps wanting to put his arm in the arm pressure thing. And you know that's going to go wrong. And he finally mm-hmm. gets in the arm pressure thing to check his pulse or whatever. And they come and they just rip him apart. And so it was well done. And, and I cannot go on enough about Flyboy. The best zombie performance ever. Even Romero himself said that. You know, yeah. king of the zombies. He said, David M.G., it was the best zombie. Like, when he comes out of that elevator, I'm obsessed with Flyboy. But when he comes out of the elevator, you're just like, fuck. And he is so, the effects are so well done. And it's so fucking scary. Yeah. And just creepy and gross. And he's, like, walking all fucked up. And, you know, and he knows where they're hiding. And he takes all the zombies there. And they're just like, oh, shit. You know, that's one of my favorite moments ever in a horror movie. But... You know, since we're talking effects, I just think that, you know, Savini really, you know, he put together a lot of neat effects. Like when the, the machete in the head zombie is very iconic from that. And they and how they shot that was in reverse. And yeah, um, you and see Dario Argento's uh, and Goblin do a wonderful score to set the mood for this. So you just know you're getting an. Yeah. Ultimate- and rewatching Day of the Dead last night. I watched Ramirez films quite a bit, but I hadn't watched that in a while. But they make a little throwback to the iconic goblin song from dawn of the dead and just like one part with bob and it's just like there yeah. and, you, and and you blink and it's gone you're just like hey i just heard the mall song and so the i think uh it's rose that says well all the malls are closed or something yeah you know yeah. so they just kind of this little throwback but whatever um but dawn of the dead i think was just groundbreaking and even as i'm looking at it you know they had you know romero refused to give in for the r rating so it was no one under 17 admitted, and it says, literally, I'm reading it, there's no explicit sex in this picture. However, there are scenes <laughs> of violence, which may be considered shocking. No one under 17 will be admitted. Reverse psychology. Yeah, so Romero, you know, just, he was, like, not giving in. And so Savini got to go nuts and do whatever he wanted. Yeah. Know? I think he did a great job. And with that comic book look, you know, Romero was right. You know, it just turned out so well. You know, when you get the blood and the gore effects on that, like, green color and that blood is so bright, it's just, like, surreal. I love how it was done. I just, I cannot praise it enough. Does anyone ever listen to Gorillaz? Yeah. They yeah. use a sample yeah. of this, which is pretty fun. Uh, Sean used to make uh, horror music. Would you like to talk about that? Really? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I went through this phase. I, I was in a band, a metal band for a couple of years when I was younger, but, uh, once I got out of that, I still kind of had this knack for, you know, wanting to create music and I got into, uh, electronic music and, uh, dubstep and got some programs and just started tooling around. And, uh, Mm -hmm. there's something that I'm sure we'll talk about later on down the road, uh, in a later episode, there is a, uh, electronic artist named figure. And Mm. if you guys are into electronic music, check him out. Cause Oh yeah. All of his music is horror based. And every year he comes out with, uh, it's called, uh, monsters, of dubstep or something like that and it's he uses audio clips from all these you know different horror movies and stuff and but anyway it was i i started listening to him and so i started getting these these ideas for music so i i kind of did something similar and i was making like like house music and drum and bass music with with horror (laughs) clips i've got some stuff on youtube that i'm not gonna promote because it sounds like shit but but yeah it's uh it was fun. It was fun to do. The funnest part was going through hours and hours of horror movies to find that one five second audio clip. Yeah, you know that that fit. But good times. No, that's way cool. Yeah, you, I, for it. you know, back in the day before YouTube was a copyright hound, it would be awesome to even just make a custom music video featuring stuff like that with you know horror visuals. Yeah, this is included on Empire Magazine's as 500 greatest movies of all time. Enough said. <laughs> Any other honorable mentions before we wrap up? Candyman. I like Candyman. I wonder if "Say My Name" five times is a pickup line. Ah. <laughs> no. Anyway, no, I I really do like the atmosphere of this movie. I see some people saying it's not that scary. I'm like, yeah, there's like maybe two or three jump scare scares, but it's a damn good voodoo. It's a good, like, movie. creepy film. Now um, this is atmosphere. This is yeah, what, uh, and, and there's yeah, like an element yeah. of love and romance, you yeah, know, with darkness. And I was very attracted to that, like the be my victim. I'm kind of like I, I think I would actually. Oh, really? Be that. my victim? He's an all Like, like that's actually he's kind of hot uh, in, in that way. It's very, it's very sexually appealing in a way. Sorry, I, I, not to be weird. That that was the film's intention, and Tony Todd did say in that same history of horror thing on AMC that Bruce was on that. It break a lot of racial barriers. I'm sorry to get all political and everything, but it's like, yeah, we there's more scenes of me and Virginia kissing, and they cut it out because that just wasn't cool back in the day. But he's like, it still comes across as a seductive movie. Oh, very much, <laughs> yeah. very much so. I don't know. Tony's hot is just amazing, and that movie was really, really well done. The voice uh, and Philip Glass. I- I'm glad that you know he always surprises mm. everyone every other year and to see him compose this movie is just it's definitely one of his all-time top 10 scores yeah his, his score for for candy man is is one of my all-time favorite scores of her i'm also loving candy what about candy man is that uh like compared to other slashers or you know, whatever if you even want to group him in with them is that uh i love that he grunts when he kills a victim like <sighs> You hear, like, you know, Jason silent, Michael silent, you know, Freddy, whatever. But when Candyman kills a victim, he's, ugh, ugh, ugh. Like, uh, the, like, my favorite scene in the movie is when he kills Bernadette. The yeah. Guy, They're like, having a conversation. And, right. And, like, and, and, well, um, and Helen's trying to warn her. And, like, Bernadette walks in. And just the way that that whole scene is done where she can see him, but you can't see him yet. And then that hard cut to him standing in the corner is just one of well, like it's um, it's creepy, but it's like it's so effective. Like yeah. it doesn't have to make a sound like a jing, like you know, like a jump scare. It just <gasps> hard cuts to him. Yeah. And then you just hear the you just hear her blood curdling scream and then him uh, 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 that's that's my all time favorite scene in the movie. Well Absolutely. To, to to reference uh Candy's previous point about the sexual tension in the film, let's be honest, him grunting, that's kind yes. of imitating, uh, you know, sexual yeah. <laughs> passion. Kind of like how, you know, Pinhead gets off on kind of killing everyone in that massacre scene yeah. in Hellraiser Free. Just, ha! Oh, ah! Yeah, yeah it, you know, he's pretty much representing all the sin, biblical folklore, you know, he is doing all, everything you could possibly do. He, It's pleasurable to him. And to add, like, feminine you know, point of view on this. Um, yes. A lot of us ladies who are into horror, you know, because with men, there's usually a lot of eye candy, 
you know, usually some of these victims are just eye candy. Yeah, and there's a lot of boobs and things like that. But, you know, for us ladies, sometimes we are attracted. I was attracted to candy. And not like I wanted to die or anything, but there was just something very, it just drew you in and you're just attracted to him. You're putting him, he's putting you at ease, then he's threatening you the next minute. He's like a gangster, but, you know, instead, you know. know, It's like like this dark, you know, mouthful of bees kiss kind of thing. You're like, oh. Like, it's just weird. And, and, And the ladies who are into horror... It takes a special kind of lady to be into that, but, um, yeah. you know, we're out there. There's there's movies like Candyman that kind of just make it less about, like, I'm the victim. It's more like, be my victim. You know, there's just something yeah. different about it. And, and me. It, it's attractive in a, in a really odd, dark Surrender, sort of way. give in to me. Yeah. So, well, and it's I, cool how this is around the same time, you know, a year after... T2 where you know every other horror movie or even sci-fi movie for that matter is having to have a whole premise where you know you got the female lead and only she can see the true terror the true evil and everyone else thinks she's bonkers you know she's lost it and it's like no I can't explain it but he's here <laughs> yeah he's gonna kill me and I think that's that seeing it back to the invisible man that's kind of what the, the new version Absolutely. with Elizabeth Moss yeah. yeah is that she's everything she's crazy like her ex that's exactly that's exactly how it is yeah and yeah. I, i'm really wanting to see it i, I think elizabeth moss is a really great actress anyway mm-hmm. so you, you, you know you i should i I would, I would say that if you're not a fan of uncomfortable silences you're gonna hate it like i can, <laughs> I, can I, I like silence in a movie when it's used in a you know correctly and there's there's oh a way, yeah there's it's... style to it you know hitchcock was like... really good with it yeah, you need someone who just knows how to create suspense. And, yeah, and, yeah, and later on when we get into modern horror movies, I think modern horror has been pretty effective, like even stuff like A Quiet Place. Yes. Um, like where silence is very important or there's this just silence and it, it has a meaning. It's not really silence. It's you're contemplating, you're fearing, you're, and they use that, and it's so Suspense. well done. Yeah, but we're going to get into that in another episode. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack us, but we got to wind down. Um, may Anybody I put an honorable mention out? Yes. Hannibal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even though I think it's far inferior to Sounds of the Lambs, Hannibal had some good gore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like artistic gore. I the disemboweling of Potsy <laughs> and the the brain food scene. Yeah, uh, my problem yeah. is I don't ever really care about anyone, so the gore just seems very meaningless. Yeah. That movie. I said it's inferior to the first, but um, well, I like Julian Moore. Memorable. But... It's certainly memorable. I like Julian Moore as Clarice, but that's about it. I just it's one of those Ridley Scott was firing on all fours, but well, they they <laughs> changed the story. If you read the book. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the things happen, but what ends up actually happening in the book is that, you Elector know, Lecter Mary well, Starling, more or less. Yeah. I mean, he drugs her for a while, but he's like in love with her, and she ends up kind of like Stockholm Syndrome in love with him. And it's really like off the wall, but they didn't do that in the movie. They the made thing, it different. Well, see, the thing from the book in terms of gore that they should have done in the movie is when Lecter is feeding. Starling the meal of uh, Krendler's brain. Yeah. As Lecter pulls the top of Krendler's skull off and starts pulling back the sack that contains his brain, he's Krendler's eyes roll up to watch him doing it, and Lecter tells Starling, "All I ask is that you keep an open mind." <laughs> <laughs> and I and she's kind of drugged, but she's eating it, and she's like, "Oh, this is so good," you know. Yeah, and, he feeds and, it to her, and she enjoys it. And that yeah, just she loves it. Wild. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like this weird sensual gore thing, yeah. you know, that they didn't really put into the movie. They toned it down, which I think it would have been a better movie if they had followed the book more. But I always have that opinion. Well, the book was lousy compared to the first one, too. So, yeah, but I mean, it had some great scenes. Uh, yeah, memorable moments. Yeah, it really did. And the story just kind of went in a direction you weren't expecting. And then they and, did the movie differently. They did. They ended it completely differently. Yeah. Mm. Any others? Yeah, I mentioned it earlier. Hellraiser free. Hell on Earth. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. And Sean's a Hellraiser yeah. fan. Ah, 
this is an unpopular opinion. This is actually my favorite of the franchise. <laughs> it's my it's just my my very demented. Pardon, sorry. My biggest gripe is that this is where they introduced the gimmick of the Cenobites all having special powers and special varieties and gimmicks. Where it was with the other two, yeah, they were just highly scarified creatures. Yeah, that's that's one of my gripes with it as well. Also, everybody's acting in the movie is fucking terrible, aside from Doug Bradley. <laughs> like, uh, say the least. That that club scene with the blonde girl. Oh, you the oh, most beautiful. Oh, come on, you don't mean that. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> awful. But uh, the the gore is very good though. I will give you that. But uh, that's you about don't it. Like, don't like the movie at all. <laughs> I I like certain elements. So I'm I'm just a first a fan of the first one. Like I don't even really uh, like the second one all that much either. Like, uh, it's kind of funny. One, I, I've tried rewatching the original recently. It, it's just very, it kind of gets going in the second half. And I know this is very unpopular with Clyde Barker fans. I just feel like part two really makes me feel like I'm in hell. Yeah. Explore Such a dusty, boring labyrinth. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. It's, so, it's Dante's and but enough. Uh, yeah. yeah, but you could throw the first Hellraiser in there too, particularly for the um, Frank's regeneration sequence. Yeah. Which is another one of my. Uh, favorite could you even call it gory it's more about like i mean because that's pretty gory yeah but i just i just love i mean i guess because it has christopher young's uh magnificent score added to yeah. it it's a good score and and like oh yeah I, I i love christopher young and that's that that score is one of my particular favorites that and uh, of course the fly too that that sequence is one another one of my all-time favorite things is frank's regeneration scene yeah where, yeah, like the way, like he seeps in from the floor, you know, and then like the brain, and then like the, the spinal column attaches itself to the brain and stuff, and just like, ah, oh. yeah, and it becomes a cock fest. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of why I don't like the first half of the movie. I'm like, okay, I'm having these awful people cheat on each other, and then it really gets going when Ashley Lawrence just kind of becomes the main focus of the movie. I guess my main issue is I noticed a lot of Hellraiser fans kind of like to do the whole, you know, Clyde Barker says, and they kind of like to just go with the flow, act like he's the main master. It's like, that's cool and all. I get that a lot of these weren't meant to be Clyde's work, but I mean, he did like some of the other sequels, and everyone's like, no, it ended with part two. I'm like, well, he liked, what was it? I think part six. Ashley Lauren's back, and it becomes yeah. a fuck of a movie. Um the problem with part six, though, is that they cut a lot of stuff out that connected with the first two, and it's like they try to make it more accessible to people who haven't seen the series, and it's like, fuck them. Like, I want to see Believe more. Believe it or not, this was actually the... the first one I saw. Really? Yes. Uh, I watched them all out of order. El Ray was playing them endlessly. Um, yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. I mean, at that point, it's like, okay, the backstory is interesting enough that it is a good movie, so to not include it, I mean, but I, I thought the filmmaker did really good since he came from an editing and cinematographer background and he was already working on other stuff. I mean, this is around the same time Dimension Films had to have a sequel to everything, The Prophecy and plenty of other movies. Wasn't Glenn Danzig in one of those? Uh, yeah, Prophecy 2. That's right. Yeah. Danzig and his evil bricks. I haven't seen that. I saw them all recently. I'm, I'm a fan, especially the one with Tony Todd. I love Tony Todd. He is such a nice guy. Yeah. He should still Billy Zane's line. He's such a cool guy. All right. So I guess we are going to wrap up this. Pop it up, pack it in. (laughs) Some great gore. And I love talking about that. We got some great films on there. Oh, yeah. Um, The gorgeous girls. (laughs) (laughs) Our next episode is going to be about the horror franchises. So that one's going to be fun. There's probably going to be some contention, and that's okay. (laughs) Some unpopular opinions. Picking teams. I do get annoyed when everyone acts like, oh, it's a B-movie. That stands for bad. I'm like, no, it just means it's a low-budget genre movie. I mean... Like yeah, I, I I hate when people do that. Like, uh, it's it's a B movie. Uh, Fuck you. I like B movies. They're fun. Uh, uh, I've watched so, uh, 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 insanely better than uh, A movies. Like, yeah, would you rather see a B movie uh, or a boring yeah. snooze fest at your local art house? I think we all know the answer. <laughs> yeah. 
we all tend to be of the same persuasion. I'm just saying I know there's going to be some team picking on the next. I mean, we already had that with cult movies Uh, already when I was shopping Tim Curry around before we even select him as number one. It was just so funny. Everyone was like, I I saw some other people saying, I don't think Tim Curry's a cult guy. I'm like, well, here's the thing. He has a cult legion of fans, so I think he applies. Rocky Horror Picture Show is enough to, to qualify for that. Yeah. Anyway, so let's think about our, our favorite horror franchises, and we're going to go to war. I would have mine. Oh, I already have mine, and I have some opinions, too. So everybody loves Such my opinions. <laughs> anyway, it's been great having everyone. And Thank you, as always. Thank you uh, for having me. As, again, you, as I, I want to go around and let everybody do their plugs. Uh, so let's do that. Eat, drink, um, and be scary. Uh, I've got some reviews coming up. Hopefully, I'm waiting these items to arrive at my home, but I really want to do them. St. Patrick's Day, I've got a res- couple of recipes actually in store, so keep your eyes peeled. Awesome. And you are doing something with Homicidal Homemaker soon? An interview for House of Tortured Souls, the webzine. Oh, that's going to be amazing. I, I love I love her. She's her. awesome. She's amazing. I've, I've been a fan for a long time. Okay, uh, Rob? Of course, you can find me at uh, my personal blog, the Cinema Trunky Network press.com you can also find me at the uh, ultimate action movie club ultimate action movies.com uh, action flicks.com uh, and uh house of torture souls.com as well as my youtube channel uh the cinema Trunky. and yeah that's it <laughs> cameron uh, it's gonna be hard to outdo that one uh, i can't so uh i'm again you can always hear candy and rob's voice on the jacked up review show podcast i often review at the action elite which constantly teams up with cinema drunkie and ultimate action movies um and uh you can see some of my music video hopefully soon and i'll post that on the interwebs that's been a lot of fun doing uh rock music video work um but yeah no that's it (laughs) awesome i'm working on starting a blog about horror um Mm. i will have more updates on that as soon as uh Things get going a bit more. I just have a couple works in progress. Um, I am often a guest on Cameron's Jacked Up Review Show. We jack it up. Yeah, and then... Um, I know all about that. And you can poor. find me here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, poor Daniel. Poor Daniel poor. having to deal with me and Cameron. Um, <laughs> I don't know which one of us is worse. I, it's, it's, it's a toss-up. Sean, what would you like to plug? Uh, I'd just like to plug everybody else. We need that kind of support and that positivity. I love it. (laughs) But I can't. My head will explode. All right, everybody. Stay spooky. And we will talk to you next week.